Mr. Cogburn, in your four years as U.S. Marshal, how many men have you shot? Never shot nobody I didn't have. To. Well, that was not the question. How many? Shot or kill. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen? It's a podcast where we talk about movies, and specifically we talk about a movie that at least one of us has never seen before. This is episode number 57. The movie that we watched this week was True Grit. True Grit. I am your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV Travis, and joining me this week I have Shane. Hello. Hey. Uh, also coming back and uh, being on the show is Rishi. Uh, for purposes of this episode, please call me LaBeef. Roger that, LaBeef. Uh, and also coming back is Keith. Hello. Hello. Uh, so I had never seen this movie before. Um, I think all three of you had, yes? I yes. have, yeah. It, uh, no, I, no. I, I found it, and it reminded me of my grandfather's, so I watched it years ago. First viewing of any True Grit, either True Grit. Okay, so I wasn't the only one. I could not remember. Um, I'm a big Coen Brothers fan and Jeff Bridges fan. How I went 10 years without seeing this movie, I can't figure out because it makes zero sense at all. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I'm going to start right off by saying I loved it. This was a great movie. Um, and I'm sad that it took me a decade to see it, but I'm really glad that I did now. So, Keith, you saw it. It reminded you of your, your grandparent, your grandfather's. That makes perfect sense. Like I get that, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, they they loved westerns, and you know it it kind of it kind of lends into a couple of tattoos I've got with western font to them. No, very nice. Um, Rishi, what what is your take on this movie? I mean, you must have enjoyed it enough that you wanted to come on and talk about it. So, oh yeah, so. Uh, this came out around the time when I just started college and when I just started college was around the time when I was starting to fall in love cleaning Eastwood. And then I was starting to fall in love vicariously through Clint Eastwood Westerns. And so that this had come out, uh, I believe this is actually my first Coen brothers movie. Uh, so a lot of things, uh, came with me from watching this movie and, uh, really enjoyed the movie. Um, didn't really remember a whole lot. I was actually surprised by a lot. Um, there's certain things I had remembered a certain way, but I enjoyed it. Even the second time I definitely watch it again. If we all forget that we did this episode, uh, <laughs> 10 years later, that'll work. Um, and Shane, <laughs> Shane, what was your first impression of it? I, you know, I didn't know really what to expect. And my takeaway, I guess I have a lot of takeaways. I really enjoyed it. Um, there were certain I don't want to give away too much, but certain actors that I liked more than expected. Don't get me wrong. Jeff Bridges. Fantastic. I thought he did a great job. Maybe one in particular, I think might've uh, outacted him in this movie though. Ooh. And <laughs> without saying too much. Well, but... okay. So for starters, no restraint on spoilers. If you're watching this show or if you're listening to it and we spoil a movie for you that you didn't want, that's on you. Okay. Don't come watching my show about a movie if you don't want to be spoiled. I'm just going to say that right now. 
Number two, it we, is awfully hard to watch a review on a movie without getting some spoilers, exactly. especially when it's been out for what ten years. Yeah, yeah, that's it. The statute We're of limitations is up. The two week window is over. We can spoil the movie now. Um, but talking about cast, so Jeff Bridges was nominated for the Oscar for Best Actor for this movie. He's actually. Both he and John Wayne were nominated for playing the same character. John Wayne won it in 1969 for his portrayal of Rooster Cogburn. But Jeff Bridges was nominated, and Haley Steinfeld was nominated for Best Supporting Actress at 14 years old, mind you, um, in this movie. Wow. That And really, she nailed the character. I mean, very, very f- business-driven. Oh, she was phenomenal. It's, it's amazing to think that she was 14 when they made this, because I'm remembering myself at 14 and I could barely chew bubblegum and walk at the same time. And and I actually had a <laughs> note about that. Um, you know, unlike a lot of actors, actresses, whatever the correct term is these days, like I always get confused on that, but she um, is, it seems like she was just about exactly the age that she was portraying. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, a lot of uh, might, might be older in a lot of cases. Yeah, and it's not uncommon to cast older than the character that's being played. I mean, in case in point, Jeff Bridges was 60 when he made this movie. The character wow. of Rooster Cogburn is supposed to be, I think according to the timeline of the movie, about 53, maybe maybe okay. younger than that. Um, it's But it's more common when you have younger characters, somebody in their teens. It's usually somebody in their early 20s that gets cast for that. Right. Um, so it is... It is rare that you get an actual 14-year-old playing a 14-year-old in a movie, which Mm -hmm. brought its own challenges because labor laws stated that they couldn't shoot after midnight with Haley Steinfeld. So, Yeah, so any of the night Hmm. scenes either had to be shot before midnight or they had to use a stand-in for her for anything that was like behind her, over her shoulder, that kind of stuff. Hmm. Wow. So that's, I think, a, a big reason, at least... I would assume it's a reason why you you tend to see most get cast a little bit older than the character they're portraying, so they don't have to deal with those labor laws. If you can get that away, that makes with a lot of sense. Um, but um, and props to her character for trying to get two cowboys to be cool with a campfire <laughs> ghost story. Yeah, no, that was that was a great scene. So I'm curious, Shane, who you think outacted Jeff Bridges? Oh yeah, so it was Haley. Uh, okay. It took me a minute, okay. and I'd, I'd heard other people talk about this movie, but so I guess I, I guess I'd hindsighted, I remember hearing that she was in it, but when I looked it up, I was like, oh, that's her. Oh, and the only other thing that I think I, off the top of my head, knew her from was the Bumblebee movie. And I was mm-hmm. like, wow, I had no idea that was her. And I thought she just did a fantastic job. I mean, especially for 14, but like acting better than I ever could in a lifetime, you know, like, Oh yeah. Then yeah. a lot of people probably ever hope to. Yeah. And I thought it was yeah. funny that one of the trivia pieces was, um, you know, to date, this is the only Oscar nomination she's had. She's like 24 years old. So it's, she's got a lot of career ahead of her, but pretty, pretty impressive at that age to get nominated for an Oscar. And she just, she knocked it out of the park. She played that very studious, very learned, young person who's headstrong and she knew what she wanted. She was not going to be dissuaded from her goal, no matter what. And it was really impressive. And it's a strong character to play. 
does um, not like the kind of character that does not like hearing the word no. Yes, correct. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but some of the other yeah. actors in this uh, were really good too. I mean, you had Matt Damon as Labeef, um, and I Great like name. I like Matt Damon. We just uh, talked about him last week. In fact, he was in Dogma, which was our movie last week. So two weeks in a row of Matt nice. Damon. I didn't even think about that when I decided that was going to be the movie this week. But uh, he was good um, playing that kind of Texas. Uh, well, he was a Texas Ranger, I guess, um, is who he's supposed to be. Uh, I liked him. I liked that he he had like a, a vulnerability to him. There were moments where almost he didn't believe his bragging. He didn't believe his stories that he was telling. You could kind of, mm -hmm. uh, at least that was the, the feeling that I was getting like. Yeah. In his, just his yeah. look in his, in the look in his eyes when he would say certain things and then like his reaction, it was almost like he didn't fully believe what he was saying. Yeah, for sure. I, um, so I had watched this around the time when it had first come out and in my memory now, you know, 10 or whatever years later, I remembered him being like a complete tool bag. Uh, like that was my only memory and um, had completely forgotten that like at the end, he kind of redeems himself a little bit. And um, I even had forgotten the whole scene where him and Jeff Bridges are like shooting against each other. That was, yeah. that was like the best part, but he actually could shoot, you know, and the mm -hmm. whole time you're actually kind of wondering like, oh, is he all bragging or could he, could he actually hit anything? Um, you know, I had completely forgotten that he had any talent at all. His character had any talent at all. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think it was an interesting character to play and I liked his portrayal of it. And For I sure. like Matt Damon. I, I'm a Matt Damon fan. Like we talked, I talked about this a lot last week with dogma and how much I liked him as Loki in that. And I've liked him in most things that I've seen him in. Um, he just has, there, there's something about his presence. He can play very confident but then like he he kind of always carries the sadness with him is what i feel um and it, it grounds whatever character he's playing no matter how much of a tool bag he is because he really he starts this movie <laughs> off like that i mean the whole scene where he just grabs her off the horse and starts spanking her um yeah or even before is, that in at the boarding house yeah that even was before that oh yeah creepy it's very kind of creepy. some awkwardness yeah we can we can talk <laughs> about that a little best. more later but man that was well, let's just talk about it now. Like, that was a creepy introduction to a character, and I, I even wrote down that notes. So I'm like, good. That's as creepy as creepy gets. Um, but it serves the movie, and it's period accurate. So, right, it works. It shouldn't. I wish. I wish I remember the exact quote. It was something like his like first line was something like. Yeah. Uh, Something about I, I've been was, that attractive. <laughs> something about planning a kiss on her, but she's yeah, yeah. not that attractive. And yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh man, it was. Or or something else, and then she's just matter of factly. Well, either would be as would be equally you know dissatisfactory. Yeah, yeah. She wasn't having so any good. of it. Oh, uh, <laughs> and then but then that whole scene like, it's very Coen Brothers humor. The way the scene goes down where she crosses, she fords the river on the horse, comes up on the shore, and then the only thing that uh, that Jeff Bridges can say, she gets up on shore and it's just, um, you know. That is quite a horse. <laughs> and then immediately Matt Damon goes into like, 
that's it. I'm just going to spank you mode. Like, <laughs> yeah. And that scene goes uh, on for like that whole moment goes on a lot longer than I was anticipating it going. Um, yeah. And then he grabs the switch and he starts hitting her with it until finally Rooster's like, all right, that's enough. You know, and he points a gun at right. him. But yeah. But for, Fair. you know, even to have those be like some of the first scenes Matt Damon is in. And by the end of the movie, he's redeemed himself. He's, he's gone through a lot. Granted, he shrugged off getting shot through the shoulder pretty well. Right. Like, cause yeah. they, they don't really give you a lot of time frame, but it seems like it's just a couple of days happens. He gets shot in the shoulder by the next day. He's fine. Right. So, you know, good on him for that. Yeah. About bites his tongue off. Yeah. That too. <laughs> Which I guess for the, the filming of it to make that scene a little more authentic, he tied a hair tie around his tongue uh, so that he couldn't that's... really use it. Huh. I was going to say that you could kind of yeah. tell he's, he's trying to, his voice is changing a bit here. Um, a little, a little, I know it's not, you're not necessarily supposed to laugh, but I feel like another bit of comedy when he tries to pull the tongue out or Jeff Bridges tries to pull his tongue out. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh yeah. No, that's definitely like, like oh. black comedy. Cause, yeah. And, and I do want to talk about this more a little bit later, but the Coen Brothers comedy is a very unique Bleak blend affair. of comedy. Yes. Yeah. Um, but before we get to that, I do want to talk a little bit more about Cassia. Josh Brolin, his second... I think the second time he's been in a Coen Brothers movie. I know he was in No Country for Old Men. Right. El Caesar, right? Yeah. Um, I think that came out after this. But uh, Josh oh, okay. Josh Brolin, third build in the movie, okay, is Jeff Bridges, really? Matt Damon, Josh Brolin. You know how <laughs> you realize how long into the movie before he shows up? It's oh, a, yeah. It's an hour and, and 18 minutes. Before you minutes. actually see him because you he does ride past – the character does ride past, but you never really get a look at him in the opening bit. Right, with... and that's not Josh Brolin, so it doesn't matter. I'm talking about Josh Brolin himself doesn't show up on screen until an hour and 18 minutes into an hour and 15-minute movie. And right. he's third yeah. build. Yeah, because I always kind of had one of those, oh, it's him moments. <laughs> yeah. Well, Which, I... by the way, I did a... Oh, go ahead. I, I did have a comment about, is Josh Brolin the Coen brothers... Johnny Depp or in terms of Tim Burton movies like mm. is it only three <laughs> movies he's in I'm not sure I know he did No Country for Old Men um, and I know he did this and you said uh, Hail Caesar he was in that was 2016 yep. wow I thought that was mm -hmm. older than that um, I think those are the only Coen Brothers movies he's done I don't remember him in anything else yeah so Going back to Haley Steinfeld's acting, uh, since we're talking about Josh Brolin, um, you know, I, I, f I felt like Haley Steinfeld's portrayal and like how trying to get her as being like very intent and very focused, mm -hmm. like could almost go past the line of being a little cartoonishly angry. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, you know, she's being so like so very focused. Like, it almost could be a little bit like too much. But I thought she wrote that line perfectly, and especially when she met, um, I'm forgetting the character's name, but Josh Brolin's character, when she finally um, meets him. Uh, like, I thought they did that, like, so perfectly. She didn't look like, it wasn't, like, too much. You know what I mean? She was just, like, she was just, like, fumbling with her gun and everything. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, I thought they did that, like, perfectly. Yeah, I, it, it's a testament to her skill um, as an actor to pull that off at that age again. I mean, to, to give yeah, you yeah. that much emotion and push that envelope to the point of 
cartoon to the point of parody, but knowing right where that edge is. And that that's both her and it's probably a great working relationship with uh, the Coens because they're phenomenal directors. But yeah, that was, that was great. You know, because Coen Brothers movies always have that little bit of a quirk to them. I mean, you even look at just the way everybody spoke in this. The the phrases that they used um, were unique and, and more period accurate and very interesting. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I had a, hey, it's that guy moment uh, when Barry Pepper showed up <laughs> as Lucky yeah. Ned Pepper. Um, he was, again, only in the movie for a short period of time, but he was great. He's, he was just, I like Barry Pepper a lot, and I like mm-hmm. everybody in this cast. This cast was really good. Um, you know, Barry Pepper is one of those guys that I don't think gets enough credit. He's done some, he, he's done some Battlefield Earth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I always remember <laughs> him in that. Throwing that out right away. Um, <laughs> it it you know, wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> there was, so it was three people that I didn't, immediately recognize but he was one of them Haley steinfeld i i didn't recognize initially just because she was so young i think mm-hmm. and uh I, is his name domino gleason is domino, that how you say his name yes domino gleason was actually the next person i was going to talk about um showing up as the kid so we just saw him for this show a few weeks ago in um dread he was in the 2012 oh, in dread yeah um he is quickly becoming one of those uh, actors that it's like, oh, he's in a movie, I'll watch. Or if he shows up right. in a scene, he, I just love him in, in whatever he's doing. Um, For sure. Again, tiny little role. He's in one scene, he dies at the end of it, but he was good. Um, he was convincing in, a car- in an almost cartoonish way, but it kind of made sense, like, especially given that he, you know, the entire scene he's supposed to be dealing with getting shot in the leg. <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, Dom Ogley said uh, as I was watching that scene, and then he dies at the end, and uh, because he had kind of ratted out where the um, was it Tom Cogburn was that the name of the character uh, Josh Brolin's character? Um, Anyways, Tom, uh, Tom Cheney. Cheney. Yeah, Tom Cheney. Tom, Tom Cheney. So he's like ratting out the gang, right? And then his uh, his friend that he's with him uh, kind of shoots him in anger and everything. But it kind yeah. of struck me as I was watching that scene that yeah, Donald... cut his fingers off and stabbed him in the chest. Yeah, that was yeah. kind of brutal. Yeah, for sure. And it kind of struck me through all that that Donald Glee said he somehow he in all his in a lot of his a guy who's like kind of ratting someone out and then kind of takes a hit for that. So like in the latest Star Wars trilogy, he yep. kind of does the same thing. <laughs> Ex Machina, he kind of haphazardly, you know, falls in love with this robot that turns on him. So he just kind of doomed in all his roles. I feel he he does that very well. He he plays the sure. turncoat very well. Um, because he was it was similar in uh, Dread. His character in Dread um doesn't really rat anybody out, but he's kind of he's not the bad guy that you initially think he might be. Um, so yeah, yeah. I I really like him. Him and his dad, his Brendan Gleeson, uh, oh, his yeah. father is amazing. Mad Eye Moody, awesome. Mm. Okay, yeah, yeah. If you if you ever want to see a movie, he is great in. Watch In Bruges. If you haven't and, seen uh, that yeah. movie, watch that because Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell are amazing in it. There's one character that seemed really out of place to me, and it was the the one gang member that kept making all the animal sounds, and that's the only sound <laughs> he would make. Oh, Her- the Harold Parmalee was the character. Yeah, 
So <laughs> that is in the original movie as well. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. So that is accurate. Um, he just okay. I I, I, I didn't I, remember that from the original. Yeah, so. I I remember or I I had a note similar to that. Like, it seems silly, uh, with the guy making nothing but animal noises, but you know, <laughs> right. I kind of chalked it up to like Coen Brothers quirkiness as well as I remember that character. Yeah. I got yeah because I kind of got the feeling that something got cut from the movie to explain that character more. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm sure, so, there was. So the maybe the John Wayne movie is longer than this. This is actually shorter. Really? Um, and I oh, do God. feel like this could have benefited from a little more fleshing out of the Ned, the Ned Pepper gang, because they don't show up until mm-hmm. you know an hour what, almost an hour and a half into the movie, and they're only in that very that very last bit. Um, I mean, even if uh, even if Rooster Cogburn had done more yammering about the Pepper Gang instead of always about his his ex-wives or his restaurant. Yeah, or... <laughs> right. yeah. yeah that's true. Um, so Barry Pepper played Lucky Ned Pepper, which was, he that character was played by Robert Duvall before. Um, wait, so wait, have... Lucky Ned Pepper? Yeah. Really? Yep. <laughs> that was the last name was. Oh. Yep. So yeah, so you've got um Jeff Bridges playing a character that was done by John Wayne. Barry Pepper is doing a Robert Duvall character. Um it's hard to say who I like better in either of those roles. Um, because I think they're such different movies. And one of the things I read was Jeff Bridges said, um, like the first bit of direction that the Coens gave him was forget the John Wayne movie. We're doing something different, which was the right thing to do. Mm. And that was the perfect idea. Don't, don't remake a John Wayne movie and try to do a John Wayne movie. You just, you're not going to do it. So, you know, do something unique. And the Coens are great at doing that anyway. You're not going to outduke the Duke. No, no, you're not. Nobody plays John Wayne like John Wayne. Um, Another small role, and it's a it's a that guy, but I can't like for the life of me, I cannot think of what I've seen him in. But the guy that she trades with, Colonel Stonehill, um, was yes. played by Dakin oh, Matthews, I, and I've okay. seen him in stuff. He I shows up. Too. I can't pinpoint any of it. Like I went through his IMDb, scrolling through it, trying to see if something would catch my attention. So and, real quick, was he in No Country for Old Men? I don't remember him being in No Country for Old Men. As I'm trying to figure out if he's the guy that... Um, and I actually have not seen No Country for Old Men. I've only seen the clip with the guy, the convenience store clerk. It's which... not him. That's, it's not him. Okay. No, that's not him. Um, he's not in the movie. I just, I'm looking at his IMDb. No, I mean, his known fours are Child's Play 3 and Lincoln. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, okay, I, I, I know him from, like old sitcoms or something yeah he's done sitcoms and like one-offs on tv shows and stuff but he was i loved him in this like he was that he was that coen brothers character that kind of towing the line like he brought he had a lot of levity in his scenes but i don't know yeah. there's something about him uh he's kind of that um oh he reminded me a little bit of like a Pappy O'Daniel character from oh brother where art thou um you know, not quite to that he, cartoonish of a level, but I think he plays plays Kevin James' dad in King of Queens, maybe. Oh, okay, could be. Yeah. His, his uh, my favorite bit with him was, you know, the kind of early on when he was when she was trying to negotiate the sale of the ponies with him, and uh, 
they're having that back and forth scene and then she like comes back and she's trying to like renegotiate and he's like oh no are we negotiating again yeah oh, you mean you mean this because i captured that it cracked me up are we trading again and then it just cuts right there <laughs> my yeah. note was this girl can haggle oh man can she? oh yeah i i wrote a note to myself specifically like that first negotiation scene is brilliant it's oh, so yeah. well done it's so well paced and... oh yeah and it, she knows exactly what she's talking about Mm -hmm. And she has him off guard for it, and she is not letting up. Nope, not at all. Um, yeah, I if mean, I, that, if I can go ahead, if if I could just jump in real quick, uh, you were talking about the length, Travis. I actually kind of appreciated the length, and because that part when she's negotiating with him is like the first real like long speech that we get from her. Mm -hmm. So I felt like they did it in a very smart packaged way. They kind of set, set up the town and then we just moved straight to her negotiating the ponies. So we like, we, we get a full sense of Maddie, like just very abruptly. I, I kind of thought that was very like well done in order to kind of truncate space and time. Oh, where usually you get like large sweeping scenes and stuff like that in traditional Westerns. I, I kind of like that. No, I think pacing wise, this movie was great. Um, and it was a nice tidy, you know, 110 <clears> minutes. I would have. I the only reason I would have liked it to have been longer was to flesh out some of the the Ned Pepper gang, some of that towards the end, because sure. sure. there there isn't anything I would really cut from it in order to get that to keep the runtime so, the same. But I also, it wouldn't. I don't know if I would have liked this if it was two and a half hours long. So, I think yeah. if you if you the choice is what we had versus bloating it and adding a bunch, keep what we had because it was brilliantly paced. See, I'm not, I, I'm sure, so you guys, I'm sure, like this, the scene where they're shooting the, the bread and the, up in the air, the bottle and everything. That, I, I kind of had issues with that, but that's Yeah, I feel like they could have maybe cut that a, at least a little bit for, for uh, introducing the gang a little more. Maybe. So I want to say something about it, and then I want to get Keith's reaction as to what issues he had with it. But what, I mean, the main purpose of that scene is character of rooster and why you know the fact that he is a drunk the fact that he is kind of braggadocious but he still sort of knows what he's doing but what was your problem with that scene keith um improper firearms handling you, you don't shoot up in the air yeah i'm one of those guys I okay was... <laughs> but i but aside from that, aside from that, yes, it does do a good job of uh, demonstrating braggadocious characters in what amounts to a pissing contest, which is what it was. And you also have to look at it from the period of time that it was. It, exactly. I mean, they they didn't really figure, you know, how far is a bullet going to carry? But it's it's still one of those things that's been drilled into me since childhood. You don't ever do that. No, I get that, but I. I... Like something like that, I can suspend my disbelief for for this movie. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not saying that it was a terrible scene or that I hated that scene. It's just, you know, it was it was a good scene, but that fact irked me to no end. Yeah, I, it does make me question even you know for that time period, even if U.S. Marshals or Texas Rangers um, wouldn't have had the same awareness of those types of things at the time. Also, not to, I'm sure they went they had some sort of 
gun safety, right? But maybe not quite what we have today. Well, no. And also you have to remember too that Rooster to this point is being painted as somebody who just doesn't care and shoots first, shoots second, shoots third, and doesn't ask any questions. I mean, that's the whole... And he's very drunk also. Yes, all the time. But that was the whole point of the the entirety of that courtroom scene was to lay out the fact that that's what he does. And all he does is shoot people. He's like, you know, he's not a marshal that brings in people. He just goes out, shoots them, and collects a bounty. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that did give us one good line that I captured for you, Keith, because I figured if anybody I know would appreciate it, it's you. Um, okay. And that was this one. Oh, if it ain't loading cock, then don't shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a fact. It's just a fact of firearms. If it's unloaded, it's use. It's a hammer. It's yeah. a bludgeon. Basically. It's not a gun. It's it's a blunt, crude instrument. Yeah. You load it, it becomes more of a purpose-built tool. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's the cast, and it's a hell of a cast. Um, when you can oh, get yeah. people like Domhnall Gleeson and, uh, oh, uh, Ed Corbin played the Bear Man, which, A, mm. is an amazing Wonderful. credit, and, B, that scene cracks me up because it's like they're, they're waiting for Labeef to show I've up. I've taken and just, his teeth. Yeah. And just a, I am willing a crazy to druid showed up. Yeah, it's like what, uh, what? And his way, his manner of speaking really got got me too. It's like he was offering medical services and dental practice. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I want this dude sticking his hands in any part of my body. No, <laughs> that was two consecutive uh, people that showed up. That you're like, oh, is this going to be trouble? No, nope, yep. they're they're fine. Oh, yeah. there's another one. Oh, oh, nope, he's he's just crazy. Okay. <laughs> That was that part was like so perfect because at that point you're like waiting for Matt David to come back, and, uh, and then this guy shows up, and then you're like, okay, some weird bear guy, and then he like, then he ends his whole thing with like, uh, do you want this dead body back by any chance? Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, I, I took the I took his teeth. I would be willing to entertain any offers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Well. You have eaten too many <laughs> mushrooms. We're just going to go this way now. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, well, doing dentistry, they would actually take those teeth and use them to make dentures. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. Um, one, so creepy. One last uh, bit of actor uh, stuff that I wanted to touch on was uh, Jeff Bridges. Um, <laughs> so... Jeff Bridges was nominated for the Oscar. This movie actually was nominated for 10 Oscars, didn't win a single one, uh, which I think wow. was the first time that's ever happened where, where a movie has been nominated that many times and didn't win anything. Yikes. Um, he was coming yeah. off of the year before he had won the Oscar for Crazy Heart. So this was kind of a pretty good period of time there for, for old Jeff. Um, you know, uh, he, look, I, I'm a fan of Jeff Bridges. Since I'm trying to think of the first thing I saw him in, um, Big Lebowski for me, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think me too. Yeah, I saw him yeah. in that, but I had seen him before Big Lebowski. Um, I liked him. He was in pretty Big good Lebowski. in Men Who Stare and Go, the Men Who Stare at Goats. Oh yeah, um, he was really good. What's in that. the movie? What's the movie he's in with Bo? Does anyone know that offhand? Ooh, Is there, remember oh, the... I'm not uh, sure. Uh, 
I mean, this I is may a... have seen that. Oh. At one point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a man who's been oh. acting since the '60s. Um, he got started. I, he was great in the. He was great in Iron Man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it helps that his dad, um, Lloyd, was a was an actor. Uh, so he got started in TV series and stuff. But he was, you know, early on he was in um, King Kong in '76. That version. Uh, I think Tron might have been the first thing I ever saw him in. Right, I was mm. wondering that too. And I liked him in both versions, both the the original Tron and the new one. Um, That's probably the first place I saw him. Yeah, I'm thinking movie. that might have been it. He was great in Starman. Um, you know, he was uh, the Fisher King. He was really, really good in that. Um, yeah, that was good. I liked him in. Uh, I saw him in Blown Away, which was um, had him and Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, he plays a former IRA bomber that's trying to like is a mid '90s kind of action movie. Um, but I really liked hmm. that Arlington Road. If you ever if you haven't seen that, that's a great movie. That's him and Tim Robbins. Um, actually, oddly enough, also has bombs in it. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's just, he's great in so many things. K-Pax, he was really good in. Um, I'm just a big fan of his. I can't say this is my favorite role of his, but it's really good. Um, it's, it's tough because he, he, the voice that he affects throughout this whole thing, that, that, you know, slightly drunk constantly thing. It's hard to understand yeah. at times, even for me. That's I, a- I usually do a really good job of being able to understand everybody, but. That was that was going to be my comment as well. I thought it was a great, uh, great voice work, but yeah, there was a lot of times I had no idea what he was saying. It was it was it was an enjoyable combination of gravel and whiskey. Yeah, oh, definitely it sounds yeah. very much of both. Well, and he's already got a little bit of. It's not really a lisp, but he's got like a little something in his voice anyway. So then when you add in, yeah. And then when you add in, um, kind of that extra gravel and that extra growl that he was putting on his voice, uh, it makes it a little bit tougher, but still, I mean, he was compelling and I bought him as a drunk. Yeah. Now that you say it, now that you say it, Travis, I I wouldn't, I have no, no, uh, idea if this would be remotely true, but I wouldn't doubt he'd be someone that maybe had like a speech impediment and had to, you know, learn to speak a different way because I do kind of detect a little bit of a lisp now that you say that. Yeah. It's, I'm not sure exactly like how I would describe it, but it's almost, it almost sounds to me like, like, like fake bottom teeth in the way that his tongue hits them. And and Mm -hmm. just when he speaks, I mean, his, uh, when he was Obadiah Stane in Iron Man or when he was Kevin Flynn, there's that little bit of it. So then, with the voice that he was doing for this and the fact that he's also, he's doing that voice and he's doing that voice as trying to be like pretty much drunk the whole time. It was tough, but what I liked about him in this was the depth that he brought in these little, little moments. There's a moment in the scene right after um, the first night campfire and the next morning when he and Labeef have their uh, confrontation and they're, they're, going back and forth about you know being in the army and all that when labeef looks at him and says captain of what and there's just this quick moment cameras on jeff bridges and there's this tiny little bit of a smirk almost like he knows exactly what labeef is talking about 
And that's the moment mm-hmm. that he's not going to deal with him anymore. Like mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff that makes or breaks, I, I think puts a, uh, a performance to the next level. And he, he had that. It was, uh, he did it again later on. Which one was it? I think it was when he finally says, I bow out his whole bow out speech. Like that was a really powerful uh, moment too. Mm-hmm. And then he was able to bring humor, whether he was talking about his restaurant or, um, you know, even something as simple as like, I do not know this man. Like those moments were funny too, uh, uh, or, you know, that didn't pan out, which did anyone else notice that he seemed to freak out more when people brought up his, uh, one eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. really curious to know, like the whole story behind How that. did Ro- Rooster Cogburn lose that eye? I'd like right. to read the book because I, I'm hoping maybe they go into it in that. I don't know. Um, I do think it's interesting that in the in the John Wayne movie, the eye patch is over his left eye, and in this, it's over his right eye. Showing mm. that it's it not might the same have had some, <laughs> It might have had something to do with actor, the actor's dominant eye. Um, hmm. Yeah. Even right-handed people are sometimes left eye dominant. Right, but in the... what well, I guess my point is, the book, it's over his right eye. So, for whatever <laughs> reason, John Wayne didn't want an eye patch over his right eye, I guess. Hmm. Um, hmm. Uh, yeah for jeff bridges uh one thing i was kind of thinking about is that opening kind of part when you first really get jeff bridges when maddie's walking into the um to the deposition of whatever that was that jeff bridges was uh doing mm-hmm. and uh you know you could kind of hear his like whiskey gravel that we're talking about like yeah. from far away first before you even see him mm-hmm. and i was thinking about that you know uh because this is like his character is kind of complicated as far as like how you're going to remember him as right but there's so few actors i feel like who could pull that off that you're kind of drawn in just from them talking you know oh yeah for you even yeah yeah or even in the outhouse before that yeah (laughs) yeah that was pretty good yeah there there are there's just one of my favorite lines from the uh uh from the uh council's examination there um so you said you were backing up in which way were you which direction were you moving well when i'm backing up i tend to move backwards yes. <laughs> yep yeah that one i didn't, loved it. it was so good. i didn't capture that but that one cracked me up too um no he's just he's good uh and you look at him so let's see he did in 2009 he did the men who stare at goats and crazy heart won the Oscar for Crazy Heart. The next year is Tron Legacy and True Grit. Uh, and then he does R.I.P.D., which didn't do that well, but he was basically playing a, a slightly more sober version of Rooster Cogburn in that. <laughs> I think he used the same wardrobe for all I know. <laughs> um, Kingsman, The Golden Circle. Um, he was in that. Oh, yeah. um, I have yet to see that one. That's good. I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed both of them. But. I Kingsman was good. Um, he's just, he's great. He's one of those, uh, you know, I just recently rewatched big Lebowski. He'll always be wonderful in that. Uh, he portrays mm-hmm. the dude so well. Um, he it's hard is, to believe that he isn't actually the dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, let's see, big Lebowski. And then this, I guess he's only done the two Coen brothers movies. Hmm. Oh. No, you know who the Coen brothers thinking about this now? Um, the Coen brothers, Johnny Depp. 
to to uh, Tim Burton is John Goodman. Yeah, mm. John Goodman's in Raising Arizona. Really? He's in Big Lebowski. He's in Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Um, yeah. I think he shows he shows up in a bunch of their movies. Him or John Turturro, one of those two is sort of right. that Turturro, of that guy. Surprised he didn't Goodman make an appearance just a... in this. John Goodman, how do you go wrong there? Right. Right. Or I guess Steve Buscemi could work too. Mm. Or, there's a lot. Did of... you guys know that John Goodman was on the first episode of Conan ever? <laughs> I recently watched. Really? Oh, okay. I did not know that. Um, so I do want to talk about Coen Brothers. So I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm a big Coen Brothers fan. Um, I just recently rewatched Big Lebowski. Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou might be my favorite of theirs. It's, it's a toss-up between that and Big Lebowski for me. I love the idea of remaking um, you know, a Greek uh, story like that um, and and doing it in that style, plus the music in that movie is amazing. Um, oh, is it ever. But uh, do, do any of you, uh, first of all, uh, we'll start with Shane. Are you a fan of Coen Brothers movies, or do you sort of not really think of them? Of the uh, ones that I've seen, yes. I okay. honestly have only probably seen a few of them, um, of the ones that you just listed off, because I have not seen Oh Brother, Where Art Thou Still. It's crazy, I know. Um, haven't seen No Country for Old Men. Uh, have seen Big Lebowski, and I have now seen this. <laughs> I'm sure there's others out there I have seen, but not coming to me offhand. Okay. How about you, Rishi? Yeah, I think I haven't gone back for most of the Coen Brothers movies, I've actually only seen like the first quarter of Oh Brother Where Art. It was one of those where they kept replaying it at the time before all the streaming. It was always on like TNT or something. Yeah. And so I always meant to like watch it. Um, but I think I'm pretty sure ever since True Grit, I've seen every Coen Brothers thing, including the um, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I think I've caught them all, if you will, since True Grit. Okay. And Keith, I know you've seen at least a couple of them. Um, I have, but I, I, again, it's mostly I sit down and watch a movie. I enjoy the movie for itself, and not too often do I do I lump them together as a category to say, you know, th- this director or, you know, that actor. There's no, a few exceptions. Fair. You know, you get your Kubrick and your films; those kind of stand out. Or your Nick Cage movies. Yep, Nicolas Cage. There's another one. Um, that's just but that's like a whole, space man yeah that's that a was... whole other thing <laughs> well you know i'm the movie nerd enough that like i love certain directors and the coen brothers for me one of the things i really like about them is they have they have a style but you can't pigeonhole any one of their movies into like you can't say all of their movies are the same right like they vary so much from uh, Raising Arizona, um, Miller's Crossing, Barton Fink, The Hudsucker Proxy, and then you do Fargo, which is quite a bit different from those. Um, Fargo is phenomenal. You go on to Big Lebowski. Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? You guys got to watch that. It's phenomenal. Uh, George Clooney, oh, yeah. I, I, I quote it, it all the time. I And George Clooney is amazing in it. Um, it's just... Yeah, John Turturro is. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, he he has one of my favorite lines in the movie, which is, do not seek the treasure. It's the way he says treasure. Treasure. Just kills <laughs> me. Um, 
the man who wasn't there. You got uh, a lot of people down talk the lady killers. Uh, it's weird. It's quirky, but it's kind of fun. But No Country for Old Men. Holy cow, is that movie good? I mean that that deserved the Oscar that year. Oh yeah. It's just. Uh, I have yet it, to see that one. Oh, Keith, we got to fix that, man. That's it's such a good movie. Um, well, hey, you know what? You've got another. You've got me on for another episode. Then I guess. I go. I am Insurance. honestly thinking about doing like a whole month or so of Coen Brothers movies because there's so many of them that are nice. so good. Um, Burn After Reading is another good one. I finally saw this. Uh, so True Grit. There's. Um, I haven't seen Hail Caesar. Um, so yeah, I, how, that one's pretty good. Yeah, that, that's one that I do want to see. And apparently, right now, their next one announced is Macbeth. Hmm. Oh, which cool. has me interested. Yeah, now you they're know, not going to uh, go the Baz Luhrmann route with that, are they? <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? I mean, <laughs> it could. I, we we've seen that they've got a breadth in what they do. I mean, they could go anyway yeah i don't think they're going that route um but to be fair i do like the the baz Luhrmann, uh romeo and juliet it's the it it's so stylistic i like it for that but back to back to this movie <laughs> but it just their their style i just love their their sense of humor is very dark so even in a movie that's going to be as kind of serious as this movie is you get those moments of levity they're not necess- they're not, they're not slapstick although they will throw slapstick humor in sometimes um but there's something about their style of humor that just always gets me um and it's usually something that's almost like awkward and it's a look from somebody and then a reaction like the you know that's quite a horse type thing because there's they'll they throw they throw the camera to Jeff Bridges and it's just a one shot of him for like two seconds before he says anything, you just you're, you're you're hearing the the gears go in his head before he says it. Like that kind of humor. I don't know what it is. It's like a dry type of humor that I just love. He rolls up a cigarette and he's sitting there and he's watching her. You know, I kind of rolled a cigarette and he sticks in his mouth and he's sitting there watching her some more. Like, I you know light this thing and you know, <laughs> right. You know, like even, he's, he's just in disbelief that she is this determined. Yeah. Even yeah. something simple, like they have that whole shootout and like his reaction is, well, that didn't pan out. Like, <laughs> what did you think was going to happen? Right. Yeah. The dark humor actually is what I was going to say uh, for Coen Brothers movies. Having not watched all of them, uh, maybe I see this a little hesitant. You know, I, f- I feel like you could expect a certain amount of dark humor mm-hmm. and then like varying levels of darkness from the general story you know like inside Lou and D- davis i think that's the darkest coen brothers movie i watched um but other than that i think that there's like a little bit of humor made that's sprinkled in amongst the darkness oh yeah yeah and they they manage to have those moments of levity that don't feel forced even when they're in something that's really serious or coming after a very serious moment it it somehow works yeah. all the time because and this movie had a yeah. couple a couple of pretty brutal moments i mean it starts off right off the bat that scene where they hang three guys mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah you know first yeah, of all you way. and and it's got so it's got a little bit of like 
I guess I would say cringy or um, expected racism humor where right. you got the two guys talking and then when the Native American starts to talk, he gets two words out and they throw the bag over his head <laughs> and just walk back and pull the lever. I mean, come on. No one's got time for the Indians. Come on. And then right away after that, they're talking about how there's a marshal that's part Cherokee. And yeah, I thought that was interesting. But <laughs> but like just that, that scene, I mean, to have... I, for whatever reason, I don't know why I expected like a cutaway or something, but he just walks back, pulls that lever, and you see three people drop and hang right there. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. That's this is a PG 13 movie. So that's Which is sandwiched the between the guy that says, if you'd like to kiss him, it would be all right. And yeah. then if you'd like to sleep <laughs> in a coffin, it would be all right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I did capture that line because that, that did make me laugh. Was, it was just, it felt so weird if. If you'd like to kiss him, it would be all right. He says it twice. <laughs> yes, and after the second time, you know, his soul has departed. I am fine. Yeah. You know, it's like, quit saying that. That's creepy. Exactly. <laughs> um, but then the, the scene in that cabin um, where, you know, it, it's been a very slow burn. Nothing's really happening. And all of a sudden, guy gets his fingers cut off, stabbed, and then he yeah. shoots him in the face. Like, that all happens quick. Mm-hmm. And before you really realize what's going on, like t- basically two people have been killed in pretty brutal fashion too. Cause it doesn't hold back. Even the stabbing, um, yeah, it was pretty nasty. So, yeah. but that's, again, that's Coen brothers. Like they, they throw that kind of stuff in there. If you've ever seen Fargo, um, it's got moments like that in it. It did have a level of gore that I did not expect for a PG 13 movie. <laughs> yeah, it really did. Um, this was their first PG-13 movie since uh, like 2003. So they had gone a string of movies um, with, uh, what was it, Lady Killers, No Country for Old Men, Burn After Reading, and A Serious Man. They went four straight movies that were all R-rated. Did they? Mm. Did anyone by chance catch Intolerable Cruelty? I don't think I saw that one, but that's another George Clooney. Uh, yes, I. that is one that I did not see. Um but I do, I, I do want to see that. I don't yeah, maybe sure. think it's great. <laughs> Six point two out of ten on IMDb. The, I've heard, I've heard that it's not great. Um, but I like George Clooney enough that I want to give it a shot. Pardon me. Bombats in the chat is saying he didn't like that one at all. So, <laughs> I guess I'll there take his go. word on that. Um, oh, I did forget one uh, piece of casting. Um, there was a cameo in this. I don't know if any of you caught it or not. Um, but there was a cameo by J.K. Simmons. Yes, I did. I I thought we were uh, going to see him though. Yeah. Yep. So he was the her the voice father. of her um, lawyer. A lawyer, not father. J. Mm. J. Noble uh, Daggett. Oh. Yeah, oh. That was, okay. Yeah, that was J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. Does he always have to have a J? I think so. <laughs> I think it's in his writer. Uh, he's great too, and I. I would have liked to have had him in the movie more, but that was a nice little um, uncredited uh, cameo. I thought it was so weird. Yeah. It was like the Spider-Man. I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> yep. Uh, and I was looking for another one that slipped by me, and I'm not seeing him now because I thought Stephen Williams was in this. The The guy that was with Maddie at the beginning. Um, nope, it wasn't. It's Roy Lee Jones. It's somebody different. He reminded me of a different actor. Anyway, 
Um, did, did you guys, uh, did any of you get uncomfortable every time she called her horse Little Black? Yeah. A little uh, bit. A little bit. The company, especially <laughs> at the time. A little. Well, again, expected racism humor. You know, yeah, you right. Now, racism, so. I will say this. They didn't shy away from that in the movie, but they also didn't make it a large part of it. There was really only two characters. Right. They didn't make a big deal out of it, but it was also kind of known that there was that racism going but on. But also, was that was that a derogatory term at the time? I don't I don't know. I believe it was. I, I don't know positively though. <laughs> um, what does he take for a treat? He's a horse. He likes apples. Right. <laughs> So thank him for me. I ain't supposed to mention your name. <laughs> that kid was great. Um, yeah. So me being the Coen Brothers fan, um, I want to rank this in my like the Coen Brothers movie that I've seen and where I kind of put it. And I put this in my top probably five of their movies. For me, Oh Brother Where Art Thou and The Big Lebowski um, are the the pinnacle of them. For me, right now, uh, they're my favorite of the Coen Brothers stuff. If you haven't you haven't seen Oh Brother, do yourself a favor, find it, watch it. It's worth it. Um, but this is kind of in that three to five range. Like it's really good, and it's a lot better than um, for me than something like The Lady Killers or um, A Serious Man. But That's I, them too. Yeah. Wow. Um, but not quite. May, uh, I'd probably put it below No Country for Old Men, too. So I might put it kind of in that four to five uh, for me. Mm -hmm. um, Rishi, having seen most of their recent stuff, where would you stack this up? Yeah, you got me thinking about that now. Uh, yeah, I think it would probably be definitely top five. Uh, yeah, that, that's, a, that's as far as I'm willing to say here on the public record. It, it's definitely top five. Uh, it, you know, Vic Lebowski, uh, it, it's good. See, see, okay. See, I'm just gonna stop myself down. That's a, that's as far as I'm willing to say. <laughs> Top five for sure. Fair enough. Fair enough. We won't uh, we won't roast you for that. <laughs> um, so they work almost exclusively, or most of the time, with the same um, director of photography. Their cinematographer is Roger Deakins for most of their movies, and he did this one as well. This was actually the last movie that Roger Deakins shot on film. He went to all digital after this. It looked beautiful uh, for about 90% of it. I wasn't super thrilled with the scenes after um, when, when he's carrying her on the horse after she mm -hmm. got snake bit. Something about those scenes felt off to me. Like they, they looked like either bad blue screen comps or... And yeah. I'm sure that at least some of that had to do with the child labor things and like trying to shoot night shots, but it just, those didn't feel the same as like the rest of the movies just looked gorgeous and those mm -hmm. felt tacked on or rushed or it, something. It To me, those scenes, you know, on the horse, it felt, it, it, it felt off, but it was also Maddie was, you know, going through stages of, you know, the venom, the snake venom. So things aren't going to be clear. It's not going, it, it kind of seemed to me like that was, you know, kind of indicative of her situation. That's, that's actually not a bad point that you bring up there. So I can, I can kind of see where you're getting at. 
with that. But Roger Deakins, man, that guy could can just make some some stuff look like art. I mean, some of those Vista shots, some of those, uh, and the town. Apparently, no CG was used for that. Um, I was reading in the trivia, IMDb trivia, so take it with what you want, but no computer-generated effects were used in the creation of the town of Fort Smith. The town of Granger, Texas, was used as a double due to several sections of the city still displaying the period city planning with wide streets. So they basically found a little town in Texas that looked still looked like a frontier town and used that. I've been to Granger, Texas, actually, and I will confirm that it feels... Right out of a western. So nice. The only thing they had to do was um, remove leaves from the trees to make it look like winter. Oh, weird. Okay. So I was going to say, I kind of feel like the whole ending felt a little bit off to me. From the moment that she shoots uh, Josh Brolin and he goes... Tom she Chaney. goes flying back. He goes flying forward and sorry, Cheney. Yeah. <laughs> she goes flying back and all of a sudden into this pit that I don't know. Was that there before? Like, did it was, yeah, they had, they had mentioned it about uh, Tom Cheney's character wanting to throw her down the pit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you can see that they had thrown somebody else down the pit previously. Yeah. Yes. Right. So and she was going after the knife. Was that the plan? Like that was what she was yeah. trying to get was the knife to cut herself free before the she realized there were snakes there. Um. Yeah. So, first of all, uh, she straight up murders Tom Cheney, right? Like cold blooded. Yeah, just... That's more of a self defense, but eh, was it though? I mean, it was. It was. She he, had he him was trying to kill. She had tried to. He had tried to kill her, and then tried to kill the beef. Take the rifle, and you. It stands a reasonable person would believe that he was still trying to kill her. Nah, well, either she way. She was playing Tread there. Judge, she, uh, jury, and executioner. Yeah, she just <laughs> straight up shot him. Um, but I bought the whole, like, it was enough to knock her backwards because she wouldn't have been ready for I mean, she didn't She didn't know what the kick would be like on a, on a rifle um, of any kind. And she, so. didn't, she wasn't prepared for it with the pistol. Yeah. And she right. was probably thinking something along the same lines and got rocked for yeah, it. So that was believable yep. to me. Um, from that point so. on, yes, the movie felt a little um, off. But Keith brings up a good point with the snake venom. So I, maybe. Um, I still, it was my least favorite part of the movie by far. Um, yeah. That and uh, the fact that they also it, it, kill the horse. That was sad. Right. Yeah, that that upset William. He walked in right as that was happening, and I had to pause the movie and explain it. Did anyone else think that they were going to go real dark? Like, okay, horse gets tired, shoots the horse. He gets tired, like he builds out the gun. I, (laughs) I was like, what's going to happen here now? (laughs) Well, we ain't getting her to the doctor, so might as well shoot her. (laughs) What was the whole thing? Himself, I don't know, but maybe. Uh, What was the whole thing with? stabbing the horse muscle is that a thing that's yeah uh, it sends them into a panic and they it it doesn't matter how tired they are they straight up bolt Mm -hmm. really oh okay they they are they're flight prey animals by nature yeah and something if something like that happens their brain you know the animal brain kicks in says oh i've been bit something's trying to eat me run fast Uh, oh wow yeah, and obviously they didn't actually stab a horse, but that that whole sequence right, right. was rough to watch just because of like sure. I get what he was doing, I get the point of it, um, but yeah, 
Uh, one other bit of audio I did want to play uh, because it's probably the most famous line from the movie, um, from the John Wayne movie, is because the whole that scene with him charging one on four with uh, Ned the Ned Pepper gang, that's almost um, line for line the same in both movies because I watched the, mm-hmm. the John Wayne scene. But um, it's the last line. So I captured John Wayne saying it and Jeff Bridges saying it. And just to give you an idea of how different they are. So which one do you want to hear first? Do you want to hear Bridges or John Wayne? Let's go John Wayne. Okay. So this is John Wayne saying probably the most quoted line from True Grit. Fill your hand, you son of a bitch. Okay. So there's John Wayne. And here's Jeff Bridges saying the same thing. Or... I guess I should say mumbling the same thing. <laughs> Fill your hand, you son of a bitch! It's like he's trying to talk with like the the strap for his horse in his mouth. Uh, but I liked it. <laughs> I, I I like both versions of it because um, it's basically they kind of do the same carry and uh, you know the the son of a bitch kind of sounds similar. Yeah, but watching the scene with John Wayne and then and because I hadn't seen it in years. It's almost line for line the same thing, but they feel a little bit different. And I liked both versions of it. I just I had to capture both of those because if for nothing else to have this on my soundboard. Fill your hand, you son of a bitch. Because that's just John Wayne. You can't. Mm-hmm. It's the Duke. Oh. Yeah. Oh, and and yeah, I thought. Go ahead. Oh yeah, I, I yeah I haven't watched the John Wayne one, but um. You know, at that point, what we're thinking about Jeff Bridges is like a little bit complicated by the time we're at that. Um, you know, the, his relationship with Maddie had kind of uh, broken a little bit at that point. Yeah. Um, so, but but now he's like kind of coming back into our hearts and affections. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I just the whole part, I just really enjoyed how they did that visually, like making you want to want Jeff Bridges to win. You know, yeah. I, I thought that was like pretty well done visually and audially yeah and you get a sense for the fact that okay no he can shoot really well which is impressive given that he has an eye patch and only one eye like right so yeah no i i look i like this movie quite a bit i can't i still can't believe it took me 10 years to see it hey (laughs) i did have one uh one emerald liked it too there was one (laughs) one thing i had a question about still sure which was so they probably explained this at some point, or it's just something I'm oblivious to. But what was the deal with putting the rope around her when she was sleeping? That's for snakes. Ah. He mentioned it the first night. He was putting the rope around, and Labeef says, "Oh, this, none of the snakes are awake right now. It's too cold for them." Right. And there, there's a. Um, they would put the rope around the uh, the bedroll. And supposedly it kept the snakes from coming up and trying to get under your warm blanket. Yeah, I, you know, I, to, I don't know enough about that to say I, anything. But, <clears throat> but, you know. Yeah, it was like one of those uh, superstition kind of things, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. You put the rope around, the snakes won't go over the rope. You can go camping and test it out. What do you- yeah, you go ahead and do that. Um, I will not. Um, I did have one. Yeah, I did have one. I, I don't more, want to get snake bit. No, I had one more piece of audio I wanted to play because this line felt like 
I don't know, more prudent now, given our whole COVID quarantine thing. Mm. Uh, and this was um, the colonel when when he's when she's talking to him in their first negotiation. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. That mm. just felt yeah. more poignant right now, and yeah. so I had to capture that. Plus, the way he just said it. So, oh, yeah. Well, look, this. This is a good movie. Um, Shane, I, I'm glad that you enjoyed it and got to see it for the first time. It was my first time seeing it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I want to say thanks to all three of you for coming on this week because this was fun. I hadn't really planned well, so it was nice that uh, – and I appreciate you guys being able to uh, to come on and, and join me on this because yeah. I like yeah, seeing new movies. I love showing people new movies, but every once in a while it's fun to be the guy seeing the movie for the first time, so – that was great. Um, <laughs> For sure. It is fun. Right on. And, and it's a fun movie. Like, all right, fun in the sense that I really enjoyed this movie. The, the subject matter isn't fun. It's heavy, but it's good. It's a really good movie. It, and It's fun to watch because it's a well-done Western. Yes. Yes, and for sure. and westerns will always hold a special place for me. So. Well, you know, westerns for me, like I'm not a, I'm not just a, oh, it's a western, I like it fan, but a good western, you know, this or Unforgiven or, um, Three Ten to Yuma, Three Ten to Yuma is another good one. Open Range was a good, so like good. Tombstone. Some of these modern westerns, you don't get as many of them made anymore, but the ones that have been getting made are really good. So nice. I also forgot to mention I had Josh Brolin here the whole time. Oh, look at that. <laughs> there he is. We got him. What do you know? Well, uh, thanks again, uh, everybody, for coming on. Um, I'm going to give uh, you guys a minute to kind of talk about what it, what it is you guys are up to. Um, Keith, I know you're not really up to anything but playing Seven Days to Die. That and uh, taking some time off of work to spend with my son, but that's about it. Uh, uh, he's loving Diablo 3. Yeah, you know, get him get him hooked early. <laughs> oh yeah, he's he's definitely hooked. Uh, between Diablo three and Minecraft, he's I gotta I gotta get him out of the creative Minecraft and get him actually playing survival. Get him to there actually mine stuff. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Rishi, what what have you been up to lately, and uh, where can people find stuff that you're working on? Yeah, people can find Rishi B on Twitter R I S H I B E E. And I have a podcast called Healthy Schmelt. And I started this a while ago about trying to kind of cut through the noise and make sense of what's going on in healthcare. And holy cow, folks, has that never been more prescient than right now. <laughs> so um, I'm almost overwhelmed with how much material <laughs> yeah, there you is are, to talk about. You are not hurting for things to talk about now. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually kind of wild how all of a sudden all this stuff that I learned uh, for my master's of public health, uh, schooling is like very relevant right now. <laughs> it's, uh, not exactly good, <laughs> but, um, in any case, um, trying to have a podcast out there for the folks and, uh, Travis, you actually came on and that was, uh, really appreciated and, uh, talking yeah, was... about some things that we can, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say it was great. It was, uh, it was a fun time. And, um, yeah, we talked about like movies and, um, and TV shows with, with medical stuff in them, which, yeah, up. right before quarantined. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, now we have all the time to watch all this stuff. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Healthy Schmelty is the podcast, and I'm Rishi B. Thanks for having me, Travis. Yeah, thanks for being on. How about you, Shane? You just restarted uh, something, didn't you? 
I did just restart, and you were on um, well a few weeks ago now, I suppose on uh, oh, right. Techies. Yep. Podcast uh, about simplifying our lives one gadget at a time. <laughs> you can find that at niceguynetwork.com. Uh, you can follow me on social media at Shave Mad Ox, which is a way weirder name. I know you always talk about how you think this is a weird name, but I, I think my, <laughs> my Twitter handle is way weirder than, than this. Otherwise, uh, elsetheband.com is is the band that I uh, sing in. Excellent. Cool. Well, thanks, everybody, all three of you, for being on. This was a ton of fun. And thanks, everybody, in the chat. Um, it's always great to have that there. I do read it, even if I don't always respond. I am reading the chat during the show, so you distracting a bunch of weirdos um but yeah this has been fun so next week um i have bobby frankenberger coming on and we are going to talk about highlander um Ooh. he's never seen it before Golf clap, sir. yes he's never seen it before <laughs> i love the movie i love the mythology of highlander um i'll have some fun stories about the relationship between the movie Highlander and this show that I want to talk about yeah, next I, week as well. I was going to say I've heard something about that, but let's let's save that for the next one. Yeah, we'll we'll save that. But uh, so yeah, Highlander next week, and then the week after that's going to be Brian Ibbett and Jumanji. Um, so this has been yeah, fun. Yeah, whoever this... started this game needs to finish it. <laughs> $3 right now for a pickled buffalo tongue. <laughs>